Hello again and welcome to the last episode of College Football Down Under in terms of gameplay for season 2019. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, you are joined, or I am joined, and you as well, by Will Murden. How's it going today, Will? Real flat start there. Yeah, a real scratchy start. Real a, scratchy a start. Bit of a teaser as well in that like, you're kind of as if this was the end. This is, like, it is the end of this season, certainly, and that is depressing, and I'm, I'm with you on that one. But we're going strong. I mean, I'm a little melancholy. The season's over. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I should have come in hotter. We had the National Championship game, which occurred a long time ago now, at the time of recording this. We've finally got some time to be able to touch on this and go through it. There's been a lot of movement around coaching staffs and uh, players as well. So we've got a lot of stuff to, to touch on and to get through. A lot of information, a lot of news. So... There's a lot happening, uh, and this gives us an opportunity to focus on the most important matchup of the year and certainly the most important aspect of the previous week, and that is the National Championship game for season 2019. Absolutely. However, before we start that, I do want to say one thing mainly. We are not that old. I know we've had this discussion a couple of times, but we are certainly not old enough to have people younger than us retiring from the NFL to the point where we comfortably remember them being drafted, being all pros, and then retiring. Luke Keekley, you are fucking with my headspace, buddy. You can't just go and retire at the age of 28 and, you know, make us feel even older. I'm all for it because he's obviously seen the movie Concussion. He's yeah, finally I mean, had the spare time. Don't he sat down. This isn't about his health. This is about <laughs> me and my ego really struggling to deal with my age. Really, he, he sat down. He watched that Will Smith movie and was like, "Fuck this! Are you kidding myself?" He's already done, dude. The amount of head contacts he's had, he he would lead the league. I don't know any stats about Luke Keekley, but fantastic player at Boston College. I'm assuming that tackles, over a lot of concussions. Yeah, over that eight years of him playing or nine years, however long it was. I assume that he recorded the most tackles over that period of I time. I dare say so, yeah, because he's always up there as yeah. the, the leading tackler. And like, I still vividly remember that time he got knocked out and was like crying yeah. on the field. And it's just like, it's, something's not right here. This yeah, isn't yeah. good. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I worry for him. So I'm, I'm happy he's retired. He's made his money. He put in his service, albeit somewhat short, shorter than many would expect. But if he wants to get out and still have some level of health, then certainly he, he should be looking after that. For sure. Okay, so we are going to jump pretty much straight into the game. We do have championship draft to get to. We've got bold predictions to get to. We've got on the punt to get to, which Will doesn't want to mention, but we'll definitely be going into that. We've got some news as well, but we're actually going to start with the game, and we're going to take you through it chronologically and hit the big moments, the big times, and talk about what appeared at times to be quite an interesting contest but when you look at the final score, it was rather comprehensive. But we did have an interesting game because before the toe hit the leather, the winner, either winner, had something on the line. The first thing was that, you know, they certainly wouldn't have been thinking about this, but LSU, if they win this game, they possibly go down as one of, those, as one of the greatest teams of all time, potentially. You're talking about... You know, some of those Ohio State teams, you're talking about the 2001 Canes, you're talking about some of those Oklahoma teams, whoever it might be, Texas in 2005, whoever that might be, 
LSU are uh, the Alabama teams. LSU are putting themselves in that conversation with one of the best teams of all time. Well, yeah. I mean, when it was all said and done, I saw someone put out a tweet saying that LSU opponents that they beat this year oh, went on to win. Stealing my thunder. I had this also, but yeah, this is wicked. Win the ACC. Win the Big 12, win the SEC East, win the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, and the Texas Bowl. Like, those are the big fucking bowl games, too. This isn't just, oh, they were good, they had winning seasons. These are big time programs all across the space. And not only did they beat them, they beat them comprehensively almost always. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was never, none of those games were really ever in doubt. And on the other, on the flip side of that, on the Clemson side of things, you had a situation where Clemson, if they were to win, maybe go down as the greatest dynasty of all time. Three in four years, uh, you go undefeated for two straight seasons. Uh, you are in and around the mark for the past five or six years. On, the only teams that could probably put themselves up there and compete with that is the current kind of Alabama run. But Clemson now you know, have got that on on at stakes in this game in terms of being that biggest dynasty of all time. Yeah, it was certainly two programs who had a lot to play for and then we saw it play out. We did. Now, we will... Let's open with the final score, shall we? So, in this game, LSU win 42-25. It was an interesting... Particularly an interesting start. So I'll take you through the game chronologically in the first quarter. We'll, of course, jump in at any stage. But for me, Clemson were dominating early. They controlled field position, uh, pinned LSU deep a couple of times. And Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, which we talked about in the lead-in, had to have a big game, had to scheme something up that was going to be difficult for... Uh, Ensminger, Brady, and then Joe Burrow to execute. And he did exactly that. He was going away from tendency, which for him was to blitz on third down. And he was actually dropping a whole bunch of guys into coverage. He was dropping seven DBs. Uh, they were playing a lot of... Saban talked about it at halftime. Uh, I think Kirk Herbstreit on the call called it a 3-1... Whatever, 7? 3-1-7. But it was actually a... Three, or, I mean, and same variation, but it's a 3-3 stack variation, which Nick Saban was talking about. And it was causing a few issues for Joe Burrow. They couldn't get the quick game going that they wanted to. Um, and everything that Joe Burrow threw up, which was connecting in the semifinal, didn't happen in the early parts of this game. And I thought, well, oh, Clemson have made some really interesting inroads here and they've you know, given something that Joe Burrow is struggling with a little bit. Uh, and they were getting pressure by bringing by bringing only four players uh, on that pass rush, which, which was good. And then on the flip side of that, you had Clemson, who looked far more settled. The O-line protected really, really well. They scored on a Trevor Lawrence zone read from the one. Uh, and, you know, apart from that, I, I thought Clemson dominated. Then it took a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire run. Uh, followed by Jamar Chase scoring on a 52-yard bomb down the right sideline. All of a sudden, it was 7-0. It showed you that LSU still had the power to score quickly. But at the end of one quarter, I there were certainly no great answers, and I thought Clemson were actually on top early. Yeah, I agree with you. I think... I wouldn't say that Clemson were dominant, but they definitely were in control more so than LSU. They seemed more settled. They certainly... Went on, uh, had an interesting opportunity to potentially kick a long 55-yard field goal, decided to punt, and, and I think that worked out well for yeah, them. It did, yep. they, they pinned them deep, kept them at, uh, in and around the five-yard line, 
and were able to stop Joe Burrow from getting some momentum there because that could have he could have quite easily kind of hit those short passes, marched down the field, and that could have been that from that point. But that wasn't the case. They held him up. They got the ball back. They were able to move down and score. And you thought, oh, something's on here. Then LSU, as they did for a lot of this game, and we'll get into that, had a few big plays. And, yeah. and it's not like they were crazy lucky plays. It was big plays that they've done all year that were just so fucking impressive to show the connection that Joe Burrow had with his receivers, the control that he had. I mean, the right at the start, I think it was like third and long, and he should have been sacked, broke out that, kind of rolled around and hit Thaddeus Moss for like a 40-yard gain down the side. And I'm like, oh, this game's done. He's just going to do yeah. that. That got called back on a flag. And yeah. I was like, ooh, something, something different here. Maybe we're not going to see everything that we've seen. But after that initial disruption that was caused from Clemson, we started to see them settle in. And... For me, it was they were, they were trading blows. Like it was a real, it was a prized heavyweight fight where both were standing in the pocket, whacking each other, and and I was loving it to begin with. Yeah, I it, it sort of felt like you had two very different offenses, and you had what I thought Clemson were going to try and play a little bit more ball control, take the air out of the ball a little bit, give it to Travis Etienne because he was just getting seven, eight, nine yards a tote. I don't know why they actually went away from him, uh, but they were. They were giving him the ball, but then as they fell behind, they went away from running the ball. And, and I think in the second quarter, they have an op- had an opportunity to keep it on the ground longer. And for some reason, Darbo Swinney didn't enforce or ensure that they were keeping that ball on the ground. But that's what looked like the ticket was. Uh, and, you know, then... And then on the flip side of that, you had LSU, who looked like they could actually score on any play. They, they again, put up a couple of big plays. Thaddeus Moss had his best game of the year by far. Jamar Chase had a massive game as well, and he made a second big play. And, and they were picking on AJ Terrell, who I did not think would be the guy that they would go after. But he was one-on-one with Jamar Chase, and Terrell had the best of that matchup in the first quarter. Then Jamar Chase got off the leash, and things were bad from there. Uh and LSU started to manage that pressure far better. They were getting the ball out quick. I also thought that LSU started to get a few calls in that second quarter as well. There was the T. Higgins uh, block, blindside block, which got called back that to was that time. Terrible. Oh, that was a what's terrible he, what's call. he supposed to do? Exactly right. He didn't light him up like helmet to helmet. No. He, he just stood his it was sideways. And then uh, it was just, like a physical play. Yeah. That was it. Not like excessive, not to the point uh, where he's doing anything wrong, in my opinion. That was a bad one. And then on the flip side of that, you had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire clearly put his hand down out of bounds on what would have made it third and long. Uh, he gets a first down. They go down and score on that possession. They may have done that anyway, don't get me wrong. But it was just a few of those little things were going LSU's way. Uh, a couple of favorable spots, I thought, as well. Where I was just like, yeah, that was tackled short. And again, may not have made a big difference, but there's a difference between third and one and first and ten again. Obviously, yeah, obviously the yeah, pressure yeah. comes off. And I just thought it was it was a couple of just little things. There's certainly a few Ohio State fans sitting back, big smiles on their face when they were seeing that. Yeah, I don't I mean, think yeah. they would have had a whole lot of uh, sympathy for no, Clemson in those situations. Probably not. Then Clemson had a really important couple of series before the half. Uh, because it felt like LSU were getting on top. Clemson's offense forced LSU to start from inside the five. Again, they get him to third and 19. 
They dropped eight into coverage, and then Darion Kendrick gives up a horrible, horrible pass. That the was like That was terrible. Just didn't need to do it. And he was doing it all day, actually, as well, just gambling and tackling. Anyway, that led to a 95-yard touchdown score, and LSU lead, you know, 30, uh, sorry, 28-17 at the half. And I thought at that point, signs were particularly ominous yeah. for the Clemson. Oh, that was a huge momentum swing. Like, it felt like up until that point... It was trading blows. This is going to be a classic. There's some big plays happening, but it's happening on both sides of the field. The big name players were standing up, so we were starting to see some stuff from guys like Grant Delpert, Isaiah Simmons on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Travis Etienne and Clyde's Edward Hilaire. Who we didn't even talk about in the pregame either. We didn't talk about those running backs, but both had an impact. Exactly right. They were both looking really good. Like All the big names were showing out for this one, so it had that. But then at that point, when they converted that and then went into the locker room, it was, oof, there's, they're, they're rolling here. Yeah, and there's a, there was that massive difference between 21-17, worst case scenario, but again, they, they, they shut down that third and 19. Clemson actually would have got the ball back with about a minute 40, minute 45. They can score in that time, yeah. like without a doubt. But 28-17 felt bad. Anyway, we go into the third quarter. Clemson are known for their halftime adjustments. Uh, having said that, it was probably uh, LSU that came out with the better adjustments. And Joe Burrow talked about it after the game. He's just like, yeah, all that Joe Brady and Steve Esminger need is just a little bit of time. And once they have that time, they'll be able to sort it out and they were going to change the game plan. That's exactly how that played out. But Clemson probably came out with the momentum again in the third. Yeah, uh, LSU started with the ball. Yeah. You thought, oh, this yeah, could be it if they absolutely. go down and score here, which they looked like they had done the last couple. Very likely. They got stopped three and out. Yep. And then again, on the back of Travis Etienne, they move down the field and then score on a two-point conversion. I was like, Clemson are back in it. They've made the adjustments. The momentum's going their way. Darbo's worked his magic because he's a hell of a coach too. Absolutely. Then you had LSU, which I thought was a really interesting move. LSU were bringing a lot of these tight formations in. They'd have five receivers line up tight. They'd empty the backfield still. But Brent uh, Venables then, that, when you run those tight formations, you allow DBs and linebackers to blitz from awkward angles because they've, they've got shorter distance to go to the quarterback. It's harder for an offensive line to identify who's coming. So I thought it was interesting that LSU's offense actually didn't spread them out more. They kept bringing it in narrow, making it confusing for the offensive line, confusing for Joe Burrow. And they, they were struggling to pick up that blitz pressure. Eventually, they kind of turned things around and, and spread it out more, and that was far more advantageous for them. Nolan Turner had... A critical play, had a shot at a pick six, jumped the slant route and went through his hands. That probably would have gone the distance back the other way. Uh, I mean, having said that, the following drive, uh, Vincent, who played a really good game from his safety position for LSU, had a shot to pick off Trevor Lawrence. He missed as well, so a couple of misses for the defense. Then I think probably one of the biggest moments of the game was Skolski getting ejected after a really, really good three near three quarters uh he got done for spearing which i think was fair enough it seemed harsh it was a spear by the letter of the law I'd, yeah you know, and that, that's one of those ones that they've really got to have a look at that rule because it's only newly introduced i think there is you haven't been able to spear since forever yeah but the whole ejecting oh yes for sure yeah, on yeah. the back of that yeah i, I think there is case for a review of that and it's not an automatic ejection yeah it's like a, a flagrant 
Yeah. You know what I mean? 15 yards, personal foul, you do it again and you're toast? Well, I, I think it just gets assessed. It, it is the 15 yards regardless, yeah. and yeah. then if it's a defenseless receiver, yeah, you've gone high, you're yeah. out the game, or 15 yeah, you're yards, like you're laying a tackle. Yeah, was from Oklahoma last week on that one. Yeah, right? yeah, that was disgusting. What are yeah, you doing? You're an idiot. <laughs> out the game. Yeah. But this situation was, dude's making a tackle. Yes, he's used the crown of his helmet, and that was the issue there, but... It like it. It didn't seem. It didn't have the venom in it to be ejected. Correct. Correct. Like yes, he's not punching enough, someone in the face. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I agree. And again, that came up on the telecast as well, uh, which was an interesting one. But then oh, and it was, but it was a physical game. Yeah, like, absolutely. Throughout too. So and, and, he, and he leads that physicality. Like T Higgins got whacked by Grant Delper at one point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like catching the ball it was legal hit. Like oh, perfectly yeah, yeah. okay, but. Far out as a receiver when you're open up like that, uh, copying yeah. was it. Was that Amari Rogers or T Higgins? Was it? Yeah, T Higgins because yeah. he he went oh, out. He went and, into and, the chat and down the room for quite some time. Yeah, um, and then after Skalski gets booted from the game, Thad Moss scores on the next play, and by this point, it felt like Clemson were holding on for dear life. And like you said, T Higgins in the locker room, Skalski getting ejected. The Clemson wide receivers were struggling to get off of coverage and get open. LSU take a 35-25 lead into the last quarter and I I just didn't feel it. I was not confident at this point. I was hoping because I wanted an epic finish. I was not confident uh, with what was going to happen in the fourth quarter. And one little side note for things I hate. I hate how every team now holds up their four fingers for the start of the fourth quarter. Like... If everyone's doing it, it doesn't mean anything. Stop fucking doing it. Every team in the country does it now. I feel like you, you've always not liked that, but that's like every level, high school, oh, it's so everything. Shit. Yeah, so shit. it is what anyway. it is. Um, and then from there, T. Higgins gets a touchdown called back, which was another bad call, I thought. Uh, he gets done for an offensive pass interference. It just it just wasn't going to happen from there. The end fizzled, really, and LSU kind of cruised to a victory on the back of what they'd done all year, really, and that was offensively. They were running a lot of RPO slants, a lot of slot fade, getting one-on-one matchups on their really, really good receivers and allowing Joe Burrow to make really good reads, progress quickly through his reads, and he is a fantastic quarterback and his knowledge of the game is fantastic uh, and and they you know relied on defense and a little bit of running game as well to close games out so well done to LSU overall a, a fantastic season capped off by a national championship and well deserved absolutely so Jamar Chase really had a big day he, he had a huge day out we, um, I'm not sure what his final numbers were I'll, I'll bring those up could have been bigger too he, he dropped uh, one that was perfectly thrown over the he shoulder had nine for 221 and two touchdowns yeah so i mean you include that too that's another 40 and, and another like that's already huge that is a massive day and and he really was impressive both him and uh, jordan jefferson have been massive all year for them and they continue to do that and when you've got someone as accurate and as talented as Joe Burrow is, putting the ball where you need it to. Yes, you've got to make some plays, but it sure as hell makes it a lot easier. So full credit to them. Uh, they didn't completely go in their shell the last quarter. They didn't just line it up and run the ball. They kept scheming things up. They kept finding a way to move the sticks and were able to churn off like four-minute, five-minute chunks on a couple of drives, and that 
iced the game. That completely got it to the point where when there was four minutes left, they were up however many scores, it was done. Yeah, and even the Trevor Lawrence fumble at the end, I mean, it, no one felt at that stage, like the game was over before Absolutely. that occurred. So. Absolutely. So, I mean, you look at it now, LSU have had an incredible year. We, we kind of said that going into this discussion. You look at who they've beaten, the way that they've gone about it, not really getting touched, having a quarterback who's had statistically one of the best seasons, if not the best season at that position ever. More se- more part, just went past Colt Brennan. For the passing, passing touchdowns. touchdowns the had the most passing yards ever for the SEC. Uh like everything there and was. This is a guy that was not great last year as well. Like was, it's not like he exactly came right. In. He's playing two hundred to one odds to win the Heisman this year, and that's just purely because you are the quarterback starter of a team that in could, the top ten. Yeah, exactly right. That, <laughs> yeah. That's literally it. It's got yeah, nothing yeah. to do with what he'd shown previously. Yeah, I've almost. I don't think I've ever seen a turnaround like that from a college player at. Any position, any level, any sport. Yeah, like, I, I'm I'm struggling to find where you've had that much of a turnaround from someone without a significant change. Like it's not as if he was doing this at Ohio State, went to LSU and went off. He was at LSU for a year as the starter and was not very good. No, and then he was the best player in the country by a wide margin. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, do we need a drug test this dude? Or <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a lot of credit does need to go to Ed Orgeron, who I don't know how he communicates with his players because he's not the best interviewer. Like when he's talking after, go Tigers. When he's talking after the games, like the great state of Louisiana and go Tigers, and I'm just so happy for the. I'm so proud of my friends, and it's just such a great day for the state of Louisiana and football. And like there was just nothing. There's nothing charismatic about him. There's nothing particularly. At no point do you feel like Ed Orgeron is going to outsmart anyone. That may be making... I mean, if you read into that, you may say that I, I think he's an idiot. That's not what I mean, but... That does sound like that. Yeah, I know. But you listen to Darbo Swinney and he's quite... He's slightly more articulate, obviously. Uh, he's slightly more analytical and he's a little bit more candid. Whereas Ed Orgeron, like at the end there... And I know he just won a national championship, so it's all, you know... Uh, a bit of a blur for him probably but it was just staring out into the stands like yeah he, i don't know i'm not taking anything out of that like you that's the pinnacle of yeah, oh, his I'm, life like 50 years he's of got kids i think that yeah i mean <laughs> it's a pretty big deal the old national championship <laughs> it is it is don't get me wrong so like yeah it's it's up there and, and it's something that is He's going to remember forever. The state of Louisiana get to enjoy the fact that it was in New Orleans, like the mm-hmm. parties after that. And I like Ed Orgeron as well. And I think the 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 job that uh, who actually had the national CBS was it or ESPN? Yes, must be ESPN. So ESPN did of going around and talking about his progression and you know the fact yeah. that he was at USC and then he was the interim it guy and really looked, wanted that head coach really massively and overlooked. Then, overlooked for that and he probably or possibly was thinking at that point that he might never get a great you know head coaching job and then even when he went to lsu i there's no way that i predicted this i was like oh lsu have dropped the ball here like you know they can get anyone and they haven't and the offensive staff that he put together was mediocre in his first two years and people were asking for his firing and all that kind of stuff which happens at a school like lsu you've got to win early but 
he now goes down as, you know, he'll go down as the national championship LSU coach and he'll have his way. He's, I mean, he's written himself a ticket for another three or four years at least oh, yeah, just by doing certainly. that. Certainly. I mean, if you look at our championship draft, and I'll touch on this in a bit, but we both had an opportunity to pick from a top 10 team up until, so four times between the two of us. Uh, within the first four weeks. And then there was also Bammer and Clemson, who it's safe to say we would have selected. So there's six teams that we picked, o- picked ahead, ahead of-, of LSU almost a quarter of the way into the season yeah. before you pulled the trigger on them as actually acknowledging that this, you know, th- these are the teams. So it's not as if these were a, a top two team going in. He's done a hell of a job. Yeah. A, a lot of that is, you know, Joe Burrow and insane year that he's had. A lot of that is the coaching staff that they've put around. Yeah. Uh, it, it all worked out. I mean, the receivers were amazing. The defensive was amazing this year. You, you Hindsight, you look back and you go, yeah, this team's really good. Like yeah. ac- across the board, we've probably slept on them a little bit. Yeah, but you've got. We've had really good teams before. True. We've had really True. good teams that haven't been able to go a- get across the line. Because and LSU had, have been that one because they've had shitty quarterbacks that yeah, or we thought Joe Bur- that we thought Joe Burrow was going to be. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's move on a fraction because this probably uh, shimmies into. Uh, the next section which we're going to talk about and that's a whole bunch of news around coaching movements coaching changes so as well, teams the, the aftermath of the game as well do we actually want to, yeah do we let's, let's jump that. there let's so that. just before we do that Clemson win the game 42-25 just LSU. To re- sorry <laughs> LSU win the game 42-25 so congratulations to them and then at the end of the game we saw and I assume this is what you are referencing is that Odell Beckham Jr uh, current I uh, said Cincinnati Browns Cleveland Browns uh, wide receiver and former LSU uh, wide receiver was in the change rooms handing out cash on the field to pl- and on the field handing out cash to players. Now, as we know, and I was fuming at this as soon as I saw it because, uh, and this probably stems from a long history of Miami being under the spotlight of doing any kind of minor misdemeanor. And there's a whole bunch of shit that goes down. I thought it was awesome. So we know that under NCAA rules, as student athletes, they cannot receive any benefits from anybody. One of the players is handing out cash blatantly in front of cameras. And on top of that, Joe Burrows admitted that, yes, he received cash. Throwing his teammates under the bus. I I just, I do not understand how this is okay. And then LSU come out and make a media statement and say, we thought it was fake money, we're investigating it, and I've got no doubt, this is speculation at this point, and I know I speculate probably too much on this show, this will disappear and we'll never hear about this again. There will be no sanctions, there will be no reprimand. If this happened at other schools... They would be fucking attacked. You think? And th- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely they would. I, like, I because would be, it I've, appears I've, that the NCAA has their favourites and the SEC sits within that. And we've seen time and time again that, and we've got evidence of it time and time again of these benefits going out to the big teams and nothing gets done about it. My, my issue would not be that nothing happens here. Like I, I want to see nothing happen here. I agree with you wholeheartedly if we then turn around and see some minor infraction at another school that they 
kind of go after and punish someone for it, that would piss me off. Yeah, but yeah. until I see that, I, I'd rather them keep clear of this sort of stuff. This, there's nothing in this. Same as uh, Odell Beckham having an arrest warrant. Yeah, for, well, I don't, didn't exactly read into So that, there was a security guard in, oh, in the rooms. The yeah, he slapped him on yeah, the ass. He kind of like looked him up, slapped him on the ass. He turned around. It wasn't like a, an aggressive slap. No. It was. It was. You, you don't do it, but you're also in the change rooms after winning a national championship yeah. game. If you're in there, it's kind of a different world. Like, yeah, get yeah. the fuck out of there if you're going to be all touchy-feely about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with that one at all. And don't be wrong, if it was... I don't know why this is different, but if there was champagne and beers and stuff down in the change rooms afterwards, I wouldn't give a shit. But when you're just blatantly handing out cash, and you mentioned this off-air, but... LeBron James gave the Ohio State players a whole bunch of... Well, was that national championship game or bowl game of some description? No, it was in something. the semifinal. Like, On the semifinal, they got personalized Beats headphones. If that's not receiving benefits as being a player in a football team, I don't know what is. Correct. And, and that's not okay because you're holding different teams to different standards. And we saw it happen with Ole Miss because Ole Miss tried to run with the big dogs and they made Ole Miss disappear. <laughs> Um, They went after Ole Miss. They've gone after various schools in the past. And I'm okay with it, but you can't pick and choose. And they're picking and choosing here. And this is what frustrates me. Well, yeah, it's it's a little bit pick and choosing. A little bit, I think there's kind of... They know the cash cow. They know their cash cow. It's not the cash cow. It's the law around it or the ruling around it is kind of dodgy enough that certain things can be given out in a way that it's seen okay where for you and i we look at it you go you get beats headphones you get cash what's the fucking swear i think the spin on it is you know it's a promotional thing associated with the bowl game and there's some rule that says as part of going to a bowl game you're allowed to receive but that's yeah but that's sanctioned by the bowl itself and those gift suites are handed out by the sponsor of that particular bowl. they're not handed out by lebron no but that's what they did so beats sponsor lebron so they came from beats with a personalized message from lebron on them as an ambassador for beats Okay. And that's the workaround for it, but that's yeah. what pisses me off because I'm like, now you just kind of real technicalities here. Yeah, yeah. It it just doesn't feel right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't fully get it, and I don't want this to become the headline. The headline here should be that LSU are the national champions. Odell Beckham Jr. did something dumb, <laughs> but and like, let's move on. But don't then, like you said, go after a different school, particularly if it's a Big Ten or a, a non-SEC school. An ACC school? Is that uh, what you're worried about? No, I'm not worried about I'm not worried about that because Miami's constantly under the microscope. Well, yeah, I, I've read this week that uh, Chuba Hubbard is... There's, there's something going on where there was a post from a car dealership that uh, their social media account used him and him being in a test drive for a car that they're saying could be an infraction because like, yeah, I was reading about this in, and I'm like, oh, worried that he's come back and now he's going to face stuff. But it was so minor. It was like a social media post saying, hey, he's come down to try out this car, but they're saying that's advertising for the dealership and that that's not allowed. Right. So you've got that compared to someone giving out... Wads of cash. <laughs> like real currency. <laughs> 
two people. I mean, that's not to say he didn't then receive a car from them for that, <laughs> that know. he's driving around like that it's probably just, It's such a murky world and it's so gross and it has been for a long time. This isn't new and we can debate this until the cows come home. But either way, LSU are the national champions. Odell Beckham's a bit of a muppet and he needs to pull his head in yeah. a little bit. Tigers are one of the best college football seasons that we've seen. Okay, so that is a perfect segue into... Will they back things up because... I'm going to give you some names here and some things that have happened because I think this is the perfect storm for LSU and I think they go well off a cliff after this season. Reasons being, Joe Burrow leaves for the NFL and they say that whilst he doesn't have the perfect arm... I think you nailed it in a text message to me. You said, I haven't seen anyone at college level throw the deep ball like he does. He drops it in a spot every time, a catchable ball every time and I, I was like yeah that's good analysis by you and that's fair enough because he does do that he very rarely puts the ball in harm's way he reads the field like professional multi progression reads and you know he's a fantastic quarterback he's now gone obviously probably number one of the Cincinnati Bengals they lose Joe Brady who won the Broyles Award for being the best assistant coach. Uh, he was the instigator responsible for the entire offensive turnaround, particularly on the passing game side for LSU. That has been well documented. I don't need to go into that. On top of that, you've got Dave Aranda, who was the highest paid, I think, or top, certainly top two or three highest paid defensive coordinators in the country. He has left LSU. He's left Baton Rouge, and he is taking the Baylor job, funnily enough, that Matt Rule left to go and coach Carolina and Joe Brady is going to go and become his offensive coordinator. So it's a bit of a uh, menage a trois LSU style there. But, there yeah. but LSU now have left their most prestigious offensive mind. They've lost their defensive coordinator and they've lost their quarterback. This season was that storm in a teacup for them and I don't think that they can possibly even think about having the kind of success again next year. Yeah, I mean, it's not only that, though. There are a number of... So that that's massive. I, yeah. I agree with you. That's enough for it to be a concern, let alone you look at the talent oh. that is leaving, the, the production that they had this year. So Burrow is certainly at the top of that list. Heisman winner, the, one of the most insane Best seasons. Best quarterback seasons of all time. Yeah, we, we've ever seen. But then you look at all the skill position players that were going off this year, too, that are gone. So we've got Patrick Queen has declared. Yeah. Uh, so he was defensive MVP in the national championship and game. He's, he's making his money now because I, I think he's somewhat limited, but athletic, big guy, but he, yep. In, incredibly productive for them. Grant Delpert, who, whilst we kind of always say bit overrated, still a top yep. 15 safety in, in the country. He showed out in that game. I thought he made some really... Yeah, big, he struggled early, but then came into the game, yeah. Some, some really big hits and, and made his presence felt. Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, who I think is actually a better wide receiver and has got a better pro prospect than any of the others yep. on that team. Uh, the Their centre, Lloyd Cushenberry, has, has yep. gone. He, he's projected as well. Uh, another... Uh, Shaquid Charles, uh, another lineman that they have. Yeah. So starting lineman there, gone. Uh, the running back, Clyde Edward Hilaire, is out the door. He he, he was the fridge on legs. Incredibly productive for them. Uh, is Jamar Chase? He's young. He's he, so he's staying around again. I believe. Uh, I haven't so. seen his name yet. But you keep talking. I no. He's like a sophomore. Okay. Or... But like everyone yeah, that I've kind of I've mentioned there are massive names and and those are 
big shoes to fill. And we've seen Clemson do it. We've seen Alabama do it. We know LSU recruit at an elite level as well. So they may be in a position to, to do that, but not at that same level, you know? The, the, whilst it might be a five-star guy coming in, you're not going to get another Joe Burrow, especially where you don't have the same offensive staff and skill positions around him. So for mine, I agree that they're, they're taking a massive step back because there's just so much talent I, leaving. I, I'm always skeptical about predicting how well teams are going to go into the following year. The most confident I've ever been is that LSU will take a massive step back next year. And I think early, dirty preseason things have them at six or seven in the country, which for me is possibly even fractionally high, especially playing... Uh, where they play in the SEC and, and you know they're going to have to face an Alabama team that is going to be set on revenge oh, yeah. and they're going to be a really, really good team again. So, oh, I yeah, I, I think well done, LSU. You've made hay while the sun shines, but it, it's going to be a step back for them next year. For sure. Other names and other positions to consider, and you'll be able to you know, add to this, no doubt. But Nick Rolovich has moved from Hawaii, and he's going to take the head job at uh, Washington State after the departure of Mike Leach to yeah. Mississippi State. Really disappointed for Hawaii there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Team. Nick Rolovich. So I, I, was, I heard some stuff the other day about Hawaii recruiting, and apparently... Uh, they very rarely made trips to the mainland, continental USA, because of the cost involved. And Nick Rolovich actually kind of instigated funding into the recruiting department. They didn't really have a recruiting department, and they were just taking a whole bunch of Hawaii guys um, under what's his name? Um, can't think of their former head coach, but. Uh, you know, so he's he's really worked hard to develop that recruiting now and and get into California and and you know that western those western states to be able to recruit really well for for Hawaii and and he's now gone and I think that is a huge huge loss that will be felt for sure. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. So I'm upset as a Hawaii uh, Rainbow Warrior fan. Uh, as the show should be, mm-hmm. because he, he did a great job this year for them. He did. Uh, Joe Moorhead is the offensive coordinator at Oregon. What are your thoughts on the ex-Mississippi State, ex-Penn State offensive coordinator? He does, t- I mean, he was a big part of instigating the Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley kind of express that existed for the Nittany Lions a few years ago, but certainly didn't have that success at Mississippi State from an offensive standpoint. Uh, is he going to... I mean, I, th- I feel like he fits well um, with what Mario Cristobal wants in a kind of the ability to run the ball effectively and then can look to spread it out. But I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about Joe Moorhead, I think. He's yeah. experienced and knowledgeable, which is correct, always good. Correct. But... And, and that'll be helpful out there. I've never been a big Joe Moorhead fan. No. I think the offensive coordinator role will be good for him to get into. Oregon would be a great spot to land as an OC because yeah. you've got track stars all over the, the place. So you can get creative, you can work with things and really get something humming. I'm not sold on him, but yeah. uh, I think it's not a bad hire to, to bring in someone with that amount of experience. Okay, in terms of players Derek King has the Houston quarterback who under sort of strange circumstances uh this earlier this year played did he play his four 
He's allocated four games, I think, and then said, "Actually, I'm going to take a shirt yep. because I'm not." I'm, a couple I'm, others. I'm predicting that I'm not going to get out of this season what I want to, so I'm going to take a shirt and then go in as a. That'll be my, you know, my red shirt year, so I can then I'm immediately eligible to play the following year. Uh, so he is currently doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, in terms of where he's going to land, he's going to be an important piece for whoever gets his for someone. Services. Yeah, he's an exciting playmaker. So that's a an interesting storyline to follow. Uh, also, a lot of players returning to school. So we're in kind of yep. in declaration season at the moment. Where, as we said for the LSU guys, there's a lot that have declared and are taking the talents to the NFL. But a lot of talent this year, more so than previously, that I feel are guys who I was expecting to make the jump who are coming back. I mean, the classic is the running back position probably because, you know, you don't want tread on those tires. Exactly heading into right. The You've got like four productive years. And if you're burning another one through college, I, I don't know if that's a, a change in things or if this is a really strong class. So the guys think maybe I'll stick around next year and, yeah, and try yeah. and work my way Tactically. up yep. it. But guys like Travis Etienne is oh, a, a massive one. I find that weird. I don't, I don't know what he... I mean, I guess if he wants to come back and win another national championship, like yeah, he's going to be in a position been, to do he that. He might have been bitter about that. Yeah. He seems like he's a guy who's bought into... Uh, Clemson field. Exactly right, what Darbo's got going on. And I'm all for that from a thing. Like a lot of people are very critical, especially at the running back position, of people who come back to school yeah. saying, you know, you're wasting opportunity, you're putting things at risk, you're hurt. It's a bad business decision. And this might be strange coming from me, but not everything in life is about whoa, the whoa, business whoa, side of things. Whoa. Well, yeah, right. like I, I think you only have one shot at your college yeah, you do. education. Well, not just the education side of things, but the college experience and playing for that team with that group, whatever it is. And Travis Etienne may also know that he's, you know, he he knows how hard it is to get a job in the NFL. And to keep that job and to get paid well at the NFL, maybe, maybe the NFL, maybe he's going seeing things beyond the NFL, and correct, he's like, correct. you know, I'm going to put myself in the best educational position, or I'm, I'm going to make the most of my college experience. Yeah, I'll have a crack at the NFL. I'll pro- I could, but it wouldn't surprise me if Travis Etienne is on a team for two or three years, and then we never hear from him again. Yeah, like, but yeah, I mean, I my point, I guess, is once you've made that jump, you can't go back. No, yeah, yeah. That, that's taken away from you. So if you've get another year for that, and and yeah. you've still got a burning desire for yeah, whatever it is to it. play with your brothers, I'm all for it. I love it. I know Oklahoma State have really benefited from returning players this year. Uh, Chubarbid made the decision, so mm-hmm. stoked with that. But also Tylen Wallace on the back of his ACL has come back for another year. And uh, Rodarius Williams as well, who was a talented safety. So three guys that I was potentially expecting to leave are, are all coming back, which is really, really good. Other running backs are Kylan Hill at Mississippi State, Najee Harris, who was formerly number one overall recruit, uh, who's a running back at Alabama, who didn't light the world on fire this year, but no. obviously plenty of talent. I feel like boy. he's got something to gain by coming back from a professional standpoint. Uh, Stanford are another team that obviously really will do well from some guys coming back. And I understand the Stanford side as well because that leans into your educational point. If there is a degree that you want to get, it's probably a Stanford one. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, but Paulson Adebo, who was, a, we were talking about first round cornerback coming yeah. into this year. His first team, all Pac-12, so didn't disappoint in a very disappointing Stanford team. Uh, also, uh, is it Walker Little, the yeah. offensive tackle? Another guy that was talked about as a 
first round pick. Had some injury issues. Yeah, he, he did this year, and then he's come back for another year as well. So those guys would be thrilled with that, and they'll be looking to turn things around. Uh, guys like Sage Surratt might have made to look to make the jump on an incredibly productive year this year. Yeah, and he, I mean, he had a big injury issue as well. Their quarterback uh, has Jamie jumped, Newman. jumped ship. So he's gone to Georgia. Okay, so they lose Jake from. They're not confident in who they have got behind them. And I remember looking up the depth chart and they are 100% justified in their lack of confidence in whoever that is. So they've snapped him up and he was kind of one of the top, if not the top, kind of quarterback in the portal so he goes to Georgia on top of that you've had their offensive coordinator who I was extremely critical about throughout the year this is not news but James Coley has been demoted from his court play calling duties at Georgia so they're going to look to modernize their offense as so well they and, should. and if they head down the Ed Origin Ed or, or, Origin uh, route of um, picking up a more you know, innovative offensive mind. Georgia could be the team to make the leap next year. The last couple I will mention, CJ Vidal, another running back, Oregon. Yep. Had a really good this year this year. He's decided to go back. And finally, always finish things with a nice quarterback, uh, Sam Ellinger at Texas. Feels like the right move. Don't know what, he, what He's not future he has. Career. He yeah. does not have a pro career. Well, there were times early on this year where we thought, mm, maybe, he, maybe he could make some noise. And then that quickly looked like it wasn't mm, the case. Running QB power at the NFL level doesn't seem to work as well. Uh, Cam Newton made a career out of it. <laughs> he was running a bit more zone read. Anyway, uh, so and there'll be some more news to come in this as the transfer portal heats up but effectively the season has come to an end uh it'll feel very well and truly closed down as the nfl finishes and those coaching changes get finalized but there are of course still teams that are going to be shuffling their staffs around as people get poached moved around particularly from positional coaches as well okay let's jump into the championship draft i'm excited to hear about this one because this can only mean good news for me i didn't hit a bold prediction all year so let's make sure that i win the championship draft please will yes okay so i have tallied the numbers we have the final results in uh, and this year we had split it into two separate competitions so we had one where we were hoping to have the winner of the national championship in our squad uh, and then we also had one where it was a collective points assigned to where they finished in the final AP poll. Uh, and then the highest sum total there would also win that one. So without going into too much detail on that, you had LSU uh, and they've obviously won. So you've won that one. Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. So you've gone back to back. You had Clemson last year, LSU this year. Yep. Uh, you've done really well there. Um, and then in the overall competition... I actually more want this one, so... Yeah, okay. Things really tightened up. Yeah, so the, the last we checked in on it, you, you'd been kind of crushing me a little bit uh, throughout the back half of the year. Yeah. Things got real close within 10 points. Uh, so we didn't know with the bowl games what was happening, where things were moving around. Ultimately, you've ended up with 158 points. Yeah. Uh, and I've come in... A fair way behind you. <laughs> okay, I think that was an impressive build-up. I was a bit nervous. There. At 123. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, you've uh, you've done well there. Um, some really interesting selections when we look through what we've picked and, and what we thought across the year. So to start things, uh, our first picks, you had Michigan and I had Georgia to win it. That Ooh. was kind of who we had. So Ooh. this is taking Clemson and Alabama out of it, obviously. Yeah. That was kind of where we were at. 
to, to start things. Then it gets a bit dicey because you start looking at we had picks between 10 and yeah, 25 yeah, yeah. and outside the 25, but some really noticeable ones were you picking uh, Oregon and me picking Washington at the same time. So both yeah. obviously outside of that. Oregon ended up finishing finish ranked something like five on the yeah. year. Yeah. Washington unranked. Yeah. So massive swing for you there. You got the 21 points. I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I picked USC. You picked Miami. Didn't do too well there with either <laughs> of those. Uh, I had Ohio State. You had OU. Yeah. Uh, in, in weekly picks so you, it's almost a wash really yeah ab- absolutely it was uh, same with Utah Wisconsin we were pretty close what really stood out was your big the Big Ten did well for you yeah your, your, the ones you went fishing for in the Big Ten uh, Michigan not so much but Wisconsin you had in there Penn State you had in there uh, Iowa and Minnesota all four of those guys got you between 11 and 17 points and, and that was good that was Happy solid days. Over some of the likes that I grabbed, like I grabbed some mid-majors, like your Boises, your Cincinnati's. Yeah. It's not a good strategy. I mean, no, only one, maybe two of those are going to end up probably ranked. Yep. Oh, no, you probably get a few more than that, but you know, you one in the top 20 or one in the top 15, the rest probably going to slide outside of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, as, as I said, having LSU down as the essentially the sixth team selected, or sorry, seventh team, so we'd pick six. And then you pick them, you know, quite far into the season. Uh, really shows that they kind of surprised us a lot this year uh, mm-hmm. and were awesome. But congratulations, mate. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Not much else went right for me from a predicting standpoint. So there's a bit of luck of the draw there. So I'm looking forward to whatever we come up with next year for next year's championship draft. You're going to have to get those cogs turning, get, the old brain ticking over and see what you come up with get for another next year's slide on it. No, yeah, I had fun with that. Okay, bold prediction time. Now, this is one I'm not looking forward to, but please take me through what exactly occurred from a lack of analytical ability on my behalf. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll touch on the championship game, bold predictions. You've gone really close in that one. So we don't have to speak about mine too much because I said Clemson might win by more than two touchdowns. Didn't believe it at the time. (laughs) Didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so that was wrong. But you said that this would be the highest scoring national championship game ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in order to have that, we needed more than 75 points. Uh, we didn't quite get that. No. So uh, what was it? 42, 25, 67. Yes. So you, you've fallen just short, but not bad. Not bad. Good call. Uh, one of your better efforts, certainly, this year. <laughs> That's sad. From, from what we've had. Yeah. Uh, so let's have a look at the season-long ones as well. I've, oh, I've got them up here. Do so we have to do this? Yeah, I mean, you almost got one here. So your closest yeah, one did. was that Clemson would go undefeated and win it all. Uh, almost. I mean, yeah, you, I mean you, they would. you were either going to win the championship draft or get that pick right. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> you had that going for you. Yeah. But they didn't in the end, so you missed there. I had Cincinnati to make New Year's Six Bowl game. They had have beaten Memphis in the championship game. They would have got there, yep. but they didn't, so I missed there. Uh, you had Clay Helton to get fired uh, before their... Notre Dame game? Yeah, b- b- on their bye week. Uh, didn't happen. He's, he's still the head man there. And this could change for next year as well because I've been very supportive of Clay Helton and his job of hiring Graham Harrell and all that kind of stuff. Graham Harrell is currently interviewing for the OC job at the Philadelphia Eagles. So Ooh. if he takes that particular position... Clay Helton is in more trouble and needs to make another good hire to save his skin. Anyway, yep. so yeah, yeah. I had Virginia Tech to win the Coastal. They went close. They needed to beat Virginia in that last the season Commonwealth game Cup, yep. and they lost. So yep. 
I swung a missed close again. Uh, you had that a group of teams that once they entered the top 25 <laughs> would not. Uh, and we well, have spoken about this before. Again, they yeah. would not leave again. I think that happened like second week. Nebraska First got week, in yeah, and yeah. then got out. Yeah. Uh, but looking through the teams that you had and where they finished. Uh, uh, so you had Oregon. Yeah. They finished five. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Uh, you had Nebraska. Ouch. So they got I was it. big on Nebraska. Yeah, well, a lot of people I? were. Yeah, uh, they, we were hoping Scott Frost might get something. Adrian Martinez. Is yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of hype, and I think that will probably happen again this year. To yeah. be honest, I might buy into it. No, I'm, I'm not. You're off them. <laughs> okay, but they were not ranked. You had Michigan. They ended up ranked 18. Probably not. Bit of a disappointment. I mean, thought. after that, like we said, we talked about them earlier. But after that Notre Dame loss, they just kind of went off the map. You had Washington. Yeah, they were disappointing. You had Iowa. Who actually yeah. turned out to be pretty good, especially with that big bowl win over USC. Yeah. Who, who were surging down the straight. And you had TCU, who's probably the worst of the lot there. Thank they, you. They weren't great. Did they even get in, though? <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe, <laughs> I maybe, think they maybe did. Maybe you didn't have to worry about that I one. I think they did. Uh, and sad. then my last one was that I would have Stanford to not make a bowl game yeah, this was good. for the first time since 2008. And that happened. Hey. So I listened back to that one, and you were quite critical of this. Oh, all right. You went through and you were like, I'll give you six games that they'll win. Yeah. And, and you kind of, you, you rattled them off. But they obviously didn't win those. Oh, thanks. So <laughs> I have to get something here because I'm struggling. So I did land that one there. I think on the season, I, I jagged a, f- yeah, a few you bold like predictions three, as well. Yeah, you maybe, yeah. So, I didn't get any, so. Mm, mm. Uh, if only my punting uh, could have gone as well as the bold predictions and I could have landed on a few of those. So take us through that. Yes, so quickly on, on the punt, things didn't go so well. We we swung for the moon in the national championship and, and loaded up on Clemson in hopes of bringing us back into the positive. We didn't get there, so we end the season again in the negative. Negative what? Like a few units. <laughs> negative quite a few units is, is what we're going to chalk this one up to. Negative. And really start looking forward to next year. <laughs> I'll give myself a bit of time away bit of soul searching it changes what do you call them i'll 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 recalibrate the metrics you've got it (laughs) you've got it i'll I'll see what else what other data i can chuck into it to sometimes data is not it mate data is not always the answer well that is certainly the case what do they say uh statistics are like uh bikini they they can look good, but they don't show you everything. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, okay, I, yeah, I, I need to find something that can help me turn this around because I'm ke- I'm keen for to reward the listeners who follow me. Uh, I feel really bad, actually, if, if there are many out there, but no. There's it's, not many left, dude. No, there would not be, rightfully so. They are getting off of you very hard. Oh, interesting. <laughs> On that note, what a season it's been. I mean, it has been. Uh, We won't wrap up here. Obviously, our season does continue into the off-season. We will be producing or putting together a season recap show that will come out in the next kind of week and a bit, probably. Uh, And then from there, we will be a little bit sporadic in the off-season, but we do have stuff in the lead-up to the draft. We've got... Uh, final signing day in February as well to get through. Spring ball is just around the corner as mm. well, which is a bit scary. Um, not that there's a whole heap to report on there usually, but we'll probably revisit at spring ball time as well. 
So, I mean, having said that, I'm happy to walk away. It, it has been a, a long season. It's been a fantastic season. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. We're not going anywhere. We will be back uh, for season 2020. Yes. No, thank you to everyone who has listened to us. Thank you to you, mate. It's a, it's a bit of a chore at times oh, it is to, to try and you, schedule yeah. it in. I, I imagine and your fucking ability to keep time is <laughs> unbelievable. I imagine that could be somewhat frustrating at uh, at times, but yeah, thank you to everyone who does dial into this and and tells their friends and and enjoys the game that we enjoy as well. It's it's really cool this year. We've we've grown things. Our our listenership has grown. The, the involvement with the community's grown. We've spoken to quite yep. a, a number of the boys over there. We do really need to lift our game a little bit and get some of the guys on the pod and, and yep. do that. And we are dead keen on on doing that as well. But yeah, if, if anyone out there, you know, is, is interested to, to get involved or have a chat with us or whatever it is, we're, we're always open to ideas and everything there. So hit us up. Uh, yes, we we absolutely up. love yeah. it. In terms of hitting us up, please do so at or on Instagram or on Twitter at CFB Down Under. Make sure you tag Will in all his crap as he gets busy on the off-season promoting college football down under but please do hit us up there make sure you do subscribe to the podcast um, and leave us a review on itunes as well whilst we have said a fairly big kind of farewell there we will go through some more of that in our season recap so thank you to all the listeners out there but on behalf of that guy over there thank you very much will murden on behalf of myself aaron kemp we will see you next time it's pretty out.